You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, it's the trade deadline preview. We're going to be looking at some of the targets for the Winnipeg Jets, not on the Senators. So going a little bit off the board for the trade deadline preview, we're also going to take a look at the last couple of games for the Jets and more. All right, so segment number one, Kyle. Let's start with trade deadline preview. That's what everybody's talking about right now. And I feel like we've kind of started too early on this. I'm almost getting tired of trade deadline talks, especially because there's been no trades happening. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, it started a couple of weeks ago already just because the rumors started swirling. And I mean, TSN, they always put up their trade bait board throughout the year for the last month. They've been updating it, that sort of thing. Usually the Jets aren't on it. And that's why we don't really care. But this year, completely different with the Jets' number one pick vaulting, I think, all the way to number three at one point on TSN's trade bait board based on rumors and hearsay and all that sort of thing. So we've been carrying a lot longer than we have in years past. And exactly like you said, it's almost gone on too long that let's just get it over with already. I am definitely to the point of let's just get it over with. Uh, Right now, according to the TSN uh, trade bait board, the Jets' first-round pick is number five on the list. Jack Rozovic is actually on the list at number 17. So let's look at that first for pieces the Jets are going to be trading away potentially. What are you okay with them trading away, and what are you not okay with them trading away? It's interesting. I'm fine with trading a number one pick. I get that if that's what needs to get done. Um, ideally, you want to keep your number one pick, but it is what it is. Uh, if it needs to needs to be dealt, you, you deal with it. Um, I think Jack Rozovic's definitely in play, um, depending on the type of rental. Um, Veselainen could be in play as well. Um, and as far as roster players, I know the Jets aren't looking to tweak their roster much by getting rid of a roster piece. Other than maybe Rozovic, um, you wouldn't want to give up a guy like Connor or Ehlers. I personally would be okay with trading Kyle Connor, but I know the Winnipeg Jets don't want to trade Kyle Connor heading into the playoffs. It's really funny. Everybody you talk to has got a different opinion on who you should trade away as Winnipeg Jets. And I know there's going to be people listening who are going to hate on me for this. And it's not even my opinion, but I was talking with some friends on the weekend and they were saying, maybe we should trade away Patrick Laine. That conversation was discussed and I wasn't even the one starting it I didn't even bring it up I was actually the one weighing in on the conversation whoa 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 let's not do that yet but they were saying is he a bust if he's a player who can score lots of goals but he can't defend he can't play in his own end he's super streaky do you want to maybe sell him right now where he's got tons of value and see what you can get get a bunch of different really high-end pieces for him and sell high I personally, I think that's crazy. You, you don't do that with when you have a high-end scorer like that, but he's going to cost you a lot of money. And so I kind of see where people are coming with that. If he's going to cost you so much money and he's only going to provide one aspect, why not get a bunch of different pieces who are going to do a bunch of different things? No, I, I understand that concept, but just because a guy's going to cost you money doesn't mean, oh, we have to trade him. I mean, that's a ridiculous way to look at it, right? A guy like Patrick Kane, when he signed his big deal in Chicago, why did he sign it? He's a good player. You're going to have to pay for those good players. Specifically, specifically, you're going to have to pay for guys who score goals. You win the game by scoring goals. Uh, I would argue goal scoring is probably the toughest thing to do in all of hockey, right? With, with goaltenders being so good, defensive systems so good these days, scoring league-wide, I mean, up this year, but still trending down from what we've seen, Goal scoring is an absolute premium. When you have a guy like Patrick Laine, I believe he's second in the league to Ovechkin since he came into the league in goals. It's such a rare attribute to have. I think you have to keep that at all costs, no matter what you have to pay him. Oh, well, I don't know if 
all costs. Obviously, everything comes with a reasonable tag. You can't pay him too much money because, again, we've seen that multiple times when you're paying too much money for a guy who's not producing enough and then everybody starts to complain, well, well, why did you pay him so much? He's so streaky. He's not scoring any goals. He only finished the year with 25 goals this year, and he's a defensive liability. You don't want to pay him too much either because of that. But I think you're right, though. You, I'm right there with you. But I would say that there does need to be a point where you do cut him off and say this is ridiculous. Well, yeah, you're, you're not paying him Connor McDavid money. I'm not saying that. He's not getting upwards or more of what Austin Matthews is getting. That's off the table, obviously, right? But what I'm saying is for a, a premier goal scorer in terms of value is you're not trading that away. Uh, I don't think what you're getting back is going to equal what he provides with goal scoring being such a rare talent. Yeah, no, I am right there with you. And as far as what players you want to get rid of at the deadline, I think you don't want to get rid of any top six forwards right now. Why would you hurt your team for an unknown commodity? Because you don't know whatever you're getting in. You don't know how they're going to adjust to your team, your systems, your dressing room, everything. Sometimes rentals are great. Sometimes we've seen a lot of rentals that have flopped. And so I don't think the Jets should be giving away anybody in their top six right now uh, just based on where they are in the standings. You don't want to get rid of anything. You only want to add at the deadline. Um, and so as far as Roslovic goes, well, you can get rid of stuff in your bottom six, I think, right? Well, yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's where it becomes interesting, specifically for Winnipeg and specifically to Ehlers, because if he's coming back, I believe he's actually practicing uh, today as well um, or, or on the ice for sure. So you know Ehlers is returning in the next week or two. That instantly bumps Rozovic back down to the fourth line. And just like that, if you trade away Rozovic, you're not trading a top six guy. You're actually trading a fourth liner. And nope. if you look at it that way, well, that's not as much value. And yeah, Rozovic could have value going forward. But that's where Rozovic's kind of – that's why he's so high in the trade bait board is because Ehlers is essentially coming in as, as another player um, at this time as well. It, it's a weird, unique situation where you have a guy returning from injury and the trade deadline all happening within a week. Who would you rather get rid of, Veselainen or Roslovic or Niku? I'm going to throw those three in on right now because they're all, to me, in my opinion, those are the three. I don't know if you can even call Roslovic a prospect right now because he's stuck in the NHL this year. but though, Or not stuck, but he stayed in the NHL. Those three guys I would consider probably the biggest non-core roster players with value. Agreed? Yeah, I totally agree. So which of those three would you be willing to get rid of? Or if any, I know you've already kind of said Roslovic if the if the deal is right. Yeah, I would say Roslovic. Um, I, I believe with Veselainen. I mean, I'm talking long term game here now. Um, but with the expansion draft coming up in a couple years, Roslovic would have to be protected. Veselainen would not be um, being because he went back to Europe this year with the whole slide and everything like that. I believe he would still be exempt at that moment. That essentially saves you. It's a freebie in my mind if Veselainen is coming up with a similar trajectory to Rozovic, so why wouldn't you trade Rozovic instead? Um, that's why I would give Veselainen the edge over Rozovic, and I want to keep Miku at all costs. I think he could really blossom into uh, a solid top four defenseman for Winnipeg. Yeah, I really like Niku. Don't want to get rid of him. Veselainen, I'm kind of on the fence about just because he's so unknown, and I think he's, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's doing pretty well overseas this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know he's been in and out of the lineup. I think it's an injury or two 
Um, but he's really cruising along at, at a pretty good pace. I believe it's somewhere near the half to uh, 0.6 points per game over in uh, Russia there. So pretty good season for him going on. And, uh, I mean, that's great for the Jets going forward. Uh, my only problem here as far as what you're giving up, I have no problem with the first-round pick. And it's just that when you talk about picks, they're unknown because there's no name attached to the pick. It's just odds and percentages. And then when you have a player like Rozovic, you can actually see him. It's something tangible. I always have a harder time giving away a player like that because I don't think we're even close to seeing his ceiling yet. He's still not a finished product. He's still not a really, I don't know if he's a true top six forward. He is right now on the Jets, but once Ehlers is back, you're right. He's not a true top six right now. I just have a hard time giving up a player like that for a rental. You're giving up all of the future and the future ability of Rozovic for one season in the moment. That's why I just... I have a hard time doing that because it's not going to be Rozovic and a fourth-round pick. It's probably going to be Rozovic and a first-round pick if it's going to happen. That's just so much future value. Well, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, but but the point is to win a Stanley Cup. And I think if you trade Rozovic and you trade a number one pick and you win the Stanley Cup, is it worth it? Absolutely. 100% yes. Guaranteed. Not even a question. So you almost have to think of it in, in terms of that. I mean, if the, if the Jets don't win the Cup, is it a waste? Well, well, yeah, uh, but but the way the NHL works is you have to try. And unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you're 50 points clear of everybody else, they don't need to add. But everybody else, if they add and they win, it's worth it. And I think that's where it comes in. Well, yeah, that's a lot to give up, but if you win, then then it makes it all worth it, right? That, that's what you have to do in today's landscape of the NHL. Okay, so we've looked at kind of what we want to give up or what we don't want to give up. I would love, or I would not love it, but if the Jets were going to give up a roster player, if you could somehow deal Lemieux, Patan, Appleton, uh, those three guys I would prefer to see go out the door, opposed to Veselainen, Rozlevic, or uh, Niku. But obviously, those first, those other three guys have higher value, and so uh, those are kind of just guys I think. I think all six of those guys are probably kind of in play or at least being in the discussion, correct? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and the last thing to kind of mention with what we're giving up, a first in Rozovic, you're not going to give that up just for any old rental. Uh, I mean, that's probably higher than any rental player on the market this year, in my opinion. A rumor had it that the Senators were looking for a first and a Veselainen to get Stone as a, as a rental. And I think that's a lot to give up. If you can re-sign a guy like Stone or re-sign a free agent, then that becomes a lot better value because you get to keep the player. But for a pure rental, there's no way you're giving up Rozovic plus a first-round pick. I think that's that's ridiculous to give up as a pure rental player. Oh, no, I'm in 100% agreement with you. That's too much for a rental. But if it's maybe Rozovic and then a conditional first – that if Stone signs in Winnipeg, then you give up the first. If he doesn't sign, then it's like a fifth? Yeah, and there could be some of those deals worked out. I mean, there might even just be a, a second or a third rounder or, or a first and a prospect, right? What if Logan Stanley goes? What if some other guys from the Moose who might not make it go instead, right? Like, there's so many more options, which I'm okay with trading. I would trade pretty much anybody on the Moose. I don't think there's anybody I need to keep other than those um, guys we just mentioned. What's that? Other than the guys we just mentioned. Right, exactly. So that's what that's where I'm coming in is if you're getting just your average rental, the cost is probably uh, like Stastny last year was a first, but then Eric Foley. Well, Eric Foley wasn't supposed to be in the NHL 
this next year or the or the year after more of a long-term project with the first round pick so i think it could be structured more like that this year as well all right so taking a look at the trade bait board so we've talked about what we want to give up now what do we want to get we're very high on mark stone we've talked a lot about him in the podcast he's at 62 points in 59 games this year for a terrible ottawa squad defensive minded just 26 years old still a lot of room to grow he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season making 7.35 this year that's what he won in arbitration so you got to think any contract he signs after this has got to be well north of seven and so who knows how much he's going to be making next year and so the other guys on the list Matt Duchesne coming in at number one Artemi Panarin number two you actually wrote an article Kyle on Jets Nation a top uh, Jets potential trade player uh, trade bait that are not on the Sens yeah so I kind of went a little bit off the board with this article Um, I wanted guys kind of off TSN's trade bait board it's a little bit too obvious almost too easy um, I'd love to see a guy like Charlie Coyle potentially come in. I think that's a really good option for Winnipeg. Um, but instead of my article, I put, what about Mikhail Granlund? Instead, uh, a little bit better, um, more well-known type of guy is Granlund. A little bit more uh, time in the NHL, but he's been playing really well for or for the Wild. I believe the Wild have lost nine of their last 11 games, probably heading outside the playoff picture. Uh, Miku Koivu just went down with a season-ending injury. They're likely not going to make the playoffs, which makes them the perfect candidate to try to get some of their guys from them. Well, Charlie Coyle is actually number nine on TSN's trade bait board. 26 years old. He's had played 60 games this year. He's had 28 points. Not the greatest numbers, but half a point per game. He's a center. He's making $3.2 million, and he's got one more year after this. So he doesn't break the bank. If he does fit in the lineup, uh, he could be a great ad- addition to just kind of boost the depth and have a really good kind of third scoring line, or maybe playing between uh, Little and e- or Line a and Ehlers, uh, just depending. But you had a couple other guys on that list, uh, not from Minnesota, uh, that you were also uh, looking at. Yeah, so I looked over to Philly. I mean, this might be a bit of a stretch. A guy like Sean Couturier, um, forever linked with Mark Shifley uh, from the 2011 draft there. Um, but he's a really interesting guy. He's really come out the last two years, had a breakout season last year, almost a point a game. He's almost a point a game again this season, uh, playing on the second line with Voracek there in Philly. I don't think Philadelphia wants to give him up absolutely at all. He signed to a great contract. I think it's $4.3 million. He's scoring nearly a point a game. He's a great defensive player. Um, he's kind of the heir to the throne um, to Claude Giroux when he's going to be kind of getting older in the next couple of years. So obviously, if you're going to get a guy like that, it's going to cost an absolute ton um, of stuff to get. You'd have to give up a ton to get a guy like that, but that'd be a really interesting look having Shifley and Couturier as your number one and number two centers. Well, I think that'd be huge for the Jets lineup if you could get him in, especially on the salary he's getting paid. But I don't think there's a hot chance Philadelphia takes or gets rid of Couturier. Like you said, when he's got a contract at $4.33 million and you look at how he's producing and he's signed through the 21-22 season, there is no way that Philadelphia gets rid of a center like that. And from what I've heard out of Philadelphia is that they're a team that's kind of building for the future. They're a team that's kind of on the cusp, if you will, kind of outside of the playoff picture. If they could have figured out their goaltending earlier this season, maybe they'd be in a playoff spot right now. I just don't think they're going to give up on a player like that. I really don't see that happening, unfortunately, because it would be really nice if it could happen. Yeah, no, I agree. The only way is if you overpay, and you don't want to get into the habit of overpaying. Uh, once you do it once, it's easier to do it again and again. Um, you'd have to start with a guy like probably Ehlers and Rozlovic, throwing a first, 
throwing a prospect. I mean, the sky's the limit for let's, a guy like Let's Kachuri. not like get out said, of hand, but you're right. What's that? Let's not get out of hand here, but you're right. Like, you, you but, take a look but at... What, what would they accept? Would they accept Ehlers and Rozovic and a pick? Would you accept that if you're Philly? Maybe. Like maybe like that. Actually... I mean, it's possible. Is that an overpayment? Well, maybe, maybe not. But but you're going to be have to giving up probably two roster players and extras, in my opinion, to get a guy like that. Exactly, based on contract, position, defense responsibility, etc. Well, I don't. I think he's kind of off the conversation. But again, we're still looking for Stone Duchesne. Is something going to happen? And I know we talked about this last time. We were hoping to get a trade by the next time that we podcasted. That didn't happen. The trade deadline's Monday. We're running out of time for these deals to happen. We are now less than a week away. There's been almost no big pieces off the trade bait board. Taking a look at the trades that have been made, so minor league. Sam Gagne for uh, getting traded for Ryan Spooner. Uh, Cam Talbert for Anthony Stollers. Like, these aren't earth-shattering moves that are being made, it's made so far. Well, I, I think it comes down to the fact that a lot of times you need that first deal to be done before it, it sets the market and everybody else starts paying. Nobody wants to be the first guy to make the deal and at the end of the day realize, oh, I really overpaid for player X, whoever it happens to be, right? If you're the Jets, maybe you want to wait to see what does Kevin Hayes go for? What does Charlie Coyle go for? What does Matt Duchesne go for? You want to see those before you put your final offer in on Stone because you don't want to realize I'm giving up way too much with how the market's going to be. And it's such a fine line of do you want to set the market or do you want to follow the market? I mean, now you're getting into my um, economics background, but it's just such an interesting supply and demand when there's such a confined time frame, you only have until Monday and that's it. So if you wait too long, your final offer on Stone is rejected. Well, it is what it is. You're not getting a player and be done with it. And that's why it's so interesting how the GMs maneuver this situation. I still think we will have some sort of deal to get done. It's just matter matter of waiting if we set the market or for following the market. Yeah, and so I guess it depends on how bad you want the player. It depends on what you think other teams are going to do, what they're going to pay. A lot of jockeying and positioning here uh, coming down to the wire. Glad they're taking care of it and not me. I can just kind of relax, watch the trades roll in, and hopefully we'll have something big to talk about next week when we podcast. But I'm looking forward to next week's episode because the previews are fun, but there's so much speculation. Once the trade deadline happens, then we can really kind of get into it. Who overpaid? What was this? Was this too much? Is this going to help? Is this not? What are the pros? What are the cons? I love look, looking at it post-trade deadline opposed to pre, but again, that's just me, and I guess we'll have to wait and see. Anything else you wanted to add trade deadline-wise? Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be fun, um, especially with so many other teams in the mix. Uh, rumors are Nashville's looking to add. I mean, they already did a little bit of adding earlier on a couple weeks ago um, with Brian Boyle, Cody McLeod, that sort of thing. Obviously, nobody that's going to push them over the edge yet, but I don't think Nashville's done. Um, a team like Colorado uh, might be adding. A team like St. Louis, they've won 11 games in a row. They might be adding and making a run for the playoffs as well. It's going to be really interesting, specifically within the Central Division, who's going to be adding and maneuvering and that sort of thing down the stretch. Well, right now, when looking at the standings, Winnipeg Jets is still first in the Central Division, but you look over their last 10, 5, 3, and 2. They have struggled here. St. Louis has won 11 straight games, and they are now 7 points out of first, so there's still a big gap between the Jets and third place and then even a bigger gap between the Jets and the wildcard positions. St. Louis is distant 
distanced themselves so much. They're actually six points up on Dallas, and they've played the same amount of games. And so from St. Louis going from the bottom to a comfortable playoff spot in the Central Division, that is so impressive, just the way they've been able to do that. But we're going to move on here from the trade deadline, and we're going to take a look now just over the last couple of games for the Jets. So the Jets recently wrapped up a few more games over the weekend. Uh, it seems like almost a repeat of last week playing Ottawa and Colorado, and now they're, they played Ottawa, and now they're playing Colorado again tonight. It's just a weird little schedule quirk um, seeing the same teams virtually back-to-back um, and back-to-back. Um, but the Jets into Colorado tonight after playing them last Thursday, um, that's when things didn't go great, if you remember back to that game. I believe losing 4-1 to one just did not look good overall um, in that game. Um, it was kind of top-to-bottom. They just were not good. The Jets, a lot of people said out of the start of the season, even though the Jets were doing well, they felt that the Jets weren't playing to their full potential. I think we're really starting to see at this point of the schedule that the Jets aren't quite there over this last 10-game stretch. Like we said, uh, with just five wins over the last 10 games, only uh, two going to overtime and losing as well. And for the Jets, they beat the Sabres and they beat the Rangers two poor teams, and the Sabres are okay this year. But then coming back, losing to Colorado last week, Thursday, I saw the game on Saturday, a really poor start, so much time in the penalty box, but you were able to score shorthanded, you let the Senators come back into the game, and eventually the Senators won in overtime, a bad giveaway in the extra frame. I don't know what the Jets need to do differently to kind of figure things out, but they've got three road games now. Hopefully they can get something going here on this road trip, but now without Bufflin, still without Ehlers on this road trip, I don't know if a trade deadline boost addition to the lineup, I don't know what it's going to take, but hopefully they can start figuring something out here. Yeah, the interesting thing is uh, they had a couple days off over the last uh, last long weekend here a couple days ago, and um, in my mind it's apparent that Paul Maurice believes the issues can be fixed through practice, through a, a change of style, through a change of pace, and the reason why I say that is because he has not switched up the lines in I believe almost two months. Since Ehlers went down, the lines have stayed pretty much exactly the same, minus maybe the one little blip on the power play we saw there a couple weeks ago. But the lines have stayed completely intact. The Jets have been not great, yet Paul Maurice says, well, we just have to get better. I think he believes it's a, a teachable thing. And, I mean, that's maybe his discretion rather than mine. I'm not so sure it is. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's not for me to say. But it, it's interesting to think that Maurice believes the lines are fine the way they are and it's just teaching and it's just strategy that can change us around. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I've definitely thought, I was like, why wouldn't you bring in Patan? He's just sitting there in the press box like, what's going on with him? And I know he had a family member pass away at the beginning of the year. We don't really know how bad that's, how much that's affecting him. And that's something that hasn't really been talked about or hasn't really been mentioned and you don't really want to bring it up. But it is something to also think about. Maybe he's not in a good headspace. We don't really know. And again, this is pure speculation, and you don't really even want to talk about it or you don't want to start rumors or anything like that. But we don't know what's going on with Patan. I would really like to see him in the lineup, give it another opportunity. I feel like it's kind of too late. He could be a casualty at the trade deadline just with how little they've played him. Maybe they feel he's expendable. I just feel like we haven't heard anything from him in a long time either way. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and I know the Jets had a few days off. They were scheduled to have a practice, I believe, on Monday. Paul Maurice canceled that practice, gave everybody an extra day off. Um, he cited, I believe it was this morning or, or yesterday, that things at the next practice were a little bit quicker and more lively um, because he figured giving everybody that extra day off is to the point of the season where there's going to be many players playing with bumps and bruises that we don't ever hear about. And I'm wondering if some of those things are starting to creep into guys' games where they don't look quite like themselves. Nobody really knows why. Well, maybe it's a minor injury they're dealing with and maybe that rest that they just got over the last weekend, three days off in a row, maybe that helps going forward. And maybe that's all it was, is a few guys getting tired, needing some rest, just need a break from hockey. I know Line A just took a break away from the rink, actually caught up, uh, played some Chell, um, the NHL eSports tournament in Winnipeg, wrapping up this weekend as well. Um, one lucky guy won it walking away with uh, $4,500 on his 18th birthday, no less. Um, but I think that kind of is maybe a good thing for Liney and a good thing for the team to just take a little bit of time off and just kind of reset themselves mentally, physically, and now get back at it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And so the Winnipeg Jets back in action tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. And then we'll hopefully have a uh, really interesting and really lively podcast next week, wrapping up the trade deadline. Well, I think that pretty much does it for us here today. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kyle? No, that's about it. So the new look Jets Nation podcast with Kyle in Winnipeg coming in over the phone lines. Uh, hopefully you don't mind this new setup too much. Looks like it's the way it's going to be here for the next while. You've been listening to the Jets Nation podcast. I'm Cody Bueller. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.